0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Germ Warfare is Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. warfare
1: at tntradio.live. That's my email address. Thank you to everybody who sends me mail, I am a big fan of knowing where in the world you are. It's not because I'm harvesting your data. I, I'm really very bad at spreadsheets. Um, it's just so wonderful to, to know how far how far this, uh, this show goes. I have received messages from people in so many, so many interesting parts of the world. Uh, the most interesting part is, is uh, Tasmania, there where Alex lives under under Australia what a what a strange place the only thing I know about Tasmania is that little cartoon character from the Bugs Bunny what Looney Tunes cartoons when I was a kid that's, that's all I know about Tasmania I know nothing else about it <laughs> all right jump into the live chat I am about ready to go Alex my name is Jerm this is Germ Warfare the battle of ideas
0: clashing on the controversies it's a woke society and i am fed up with it today's news talk radio tnt
1: tara reed thank you for joining me in the trenches
2: oh thanks for having me and uh, you mentioned the tasmania and um i was thinking they just made an announcement the tasmanian devil they're able to save them i guess they were endangered or almost extinct <laughs> so i guess they'll the come back
1: <laughs> I don't know much about them. It's a little, it's like, a, I think it's a small animal, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I always picture them like the little cartoon, but they don't really look like that. They're kind of more rodent-like, I think. But, you know, they look very dramatic on the cartoon, so.
3: <laughs> but they're that's making the power.
1: Yes, that's the power of propaganda. I, until very recently, thought that Tasmanian devils make funny sounds and spin in, in circles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> So today is a bit of a Russian-themed day, so you're also in Russia?
2: I am. I'm uh, in Moscow, Russia, which was a bit of a surprise. I was here on vacation, and um, I decided to stay, and now I have political asylum in Russia because the U.S. government um, was not happy, I guess, with my vacation choice.
1: <laughs> well, just, just for some context, since I've not chatted to you before, uh, give me the backdrop. How did you go from the U.S. to Russia?
2: Well, I was a U.S. Senate staffer um, in the 1990s, and uh, Joe Biden, um, I worked for him in the Senate. I also worked for Leon Panetta and some others, but I worked for Joe Biden, and in 1993, um, I was sexually assaulted by him and reported it to the Senate. Um, I had started the reporting process and went through protocol and tried to get help, and none was given. Um, I was threatened basically to be silent. Years went by. And when I saw he was um, accused by seven women, it was during the Me Too movement. Um, I, and Time's Up, I thought I would have sort of that legal protection. I went ahead and came forward because I had told people in the 1990s what had happened to me. So I had witnesses, I had evidence of, you know, um, some legal paperwork and things that this you know, it wasn't something I just suddenly made up. It was like documented and whatnot that these things happened. And, um, basically, uh, I was, I was ignored. Me too movement ignored me. Time's up has been now dismantled as a corrupt organization. That was basically a catch and kill for elite Democrats. Um, so, you know, I kept fighting and kept pushing through, um, and I was I ended up working for RT. I couldn't get any work at all because I was labeled in 2019, a Russian asset. Um, I'm a geopolitical an- analyst and I did some writing and, um, that was lifted up by former Obama staffers as, um, ignore, you know, what happened to her by Biden. Look at the fact that she's, you know, this, uh, pro Russia person. And it was right at the height of all that hysteria that was, we now know was fake, um, know a couple of years ago and they were trying to claim election interference and all that so i kept again i just kept um you know pursuing the truth i have a podcast called the politics of survival i host it it's independent on inn i kept um you know bringing up other people that were getting silenced and suppressed um many people that supported donald trump were getting persecuted and Biden weaponized the FBI and DOJ, and they started going after me. They opened a, they went after my social media, my email. They actually opened a legal case, which is sealed and impaneled a grand jury. To this day, I don't know the contents. Um, It was speculated that I was being accused of um, violating the FARA Act, which is the Foreign um, Agent Relations Act, which could mean prison. Um, So meanwhile, I had published this book left out when the truth doesn't fit in, in 2020. And I, um, was getting it translated into Russian and other languages. And I came to Moscow in May, May 20th of this year and was going to be here for five days. And I packed for five days. And then I was given warnings by former intelligence, U S intelligence and others that upon my return, I would most likely be arrested and, and, um, the reason that it was triggered that way, I think, is because I was two weeks around June 7th, I was supposed to testify before Congress about the weaponization of the DOJ and FBI and about Biden corruption, about what happened to me. And before I could do that, um, you know, I, I was threatened. My life was threatened. I was basically kept from coming back. And so I um, sought the help of Maria Butina, who is a, works for the state Duma. And she um, was able to help me navigate a, the system to get um, to apply. And then I was approved by, approved by the Russian Federation for political asylum. So I have asylum now in uh, Russia. And uh, I still can't go back to the US at this time um, because we still have a weaponized DOJ and FBI. So that's kind of the condensed version of what happened to me.
1: Where can you go, though?
2: Right now, I can't leave the Russian borders for safety. I had, they, they possibly thought I had red notices, Interpol. Those um, don't seem to be there at this time. Arrest warrants, it's international, is Interpol, the arrest warrants. Um, and now when you're under asylum, they have to pull any. So any that were out there are pulled. Um, so now it's a matter of seeing if we can find out what the sealed case is or take some sort of action to, you know, so that I can be free and go back and forth between Russia if I wish to. Um, However, it doesn't look like that will happen, particularly as long as Biden um, administration is in power. Uh, So I'm staying here um, and it was very excruciating. I had to leave behind my pets. Um, My daughter is a grown woman, but you know, I, I mean, I'm separated from her. I don't know when we'll be able to see each other again and uh you know i'm adjusting and i'm learning russian and uh i'm free so i'm not in a cage so that's the main thing
1: what is it like living in russia
2: nothing like the propaganda (laughs) i mean i was really shocked like how propagandized i even was and i have an open mind and was championing like hey we should not be xenophobic like let's find out more about russia but i grew up at a time you know um when a lot of that propaganda was being pushed on us, that they're our enemy, that there's wines for bread. And it's true, in the 90s, they had problems, but now they're a flourishing economy. The sanctions have had no effect on them. Um, you have a really thriving, vibrant middle class. Um, people, you know, when I walk around, it, Moscow is an amazingly safe city. Like I've walked around at two in the morning and felt safe um there's no homeless or drug use out in the streets to speak of um there's 80 to 90% home ownership here uh prices are lower for food people are well fed people are happy um vladimir putin has an 80% approval rate and you compare that with the US joe biden can't give a, above 38% the lowest approval rating in US presidential history Um, because he's done such a dismal job for the economy in the U.S. So I've been able to compare and, um, you know, it's I really hope that for the sake of my fellow U.S. citizens that um, things improve and that these endless wars stop so that there's more focus on the working class and infrastructure and people Mm -hmm. being able to and people being able to truly have freedom of speech because, they keep saying they're doing these wars for democracy, but we're losing freedom of speech in the U.S., in the U.K, in Europe, all the Western NATO nations. And I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm free to say whatever I want in Russia, and I have never felt safer. So, you know, mm. you're looking at a big difference. Um, there, the one other thing I wanted to add too is the transportation's amazing. They have bus, trams, scooters. Um, the subways are like museums. They're beautiful, they're clean there's no crime. I mean, and you get somewhere every three minutes, there's one running, you can get all over the city. It's just, and I've been outside the city too. I've been to Oblast region. I've been to St. Petersburg, uh, Sochi, Vladivostok. I've seen some of Russia and it's really, it's really um, emerging. Um, And I think it's, it's, it's got a kind of a European flavor and you know, this history that goes back a thousand years, so beautiful buildings and um, well taken care of. So it's really been lovely, actually. If you're going to end up in exile, this is a wonderful place to be in exile.
1: And uh, you're talking about uh, free speech. Um, ironically, uh, Putin can can speak in full sentences, whereas uh, <laughs> the American president can't.
2: <laughs> yes. In fact, I saw a funniest tweet yesterday. Someone posted um, Biden versus sentences because he literally couldn't. You know, <laughs> he spears with Taylor Swift and like getting on all jumble trying to make a joke. Yeah, he's a walking corpse. I mean, and, come on, um, man. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but something came through my ear. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah. So look, what happens now? I mean, you. You're not gonna be voting, I'm guessing, in the upcoming election.
2: You know, I I was thinking about that. I was thinking it it might be really fun for me to vote. Um, (laughs) um, I'll vote for (laughs) absentee. Um, But I'm gonna obviously not vote for anyone in the Biden administration or someone from the Obama, because I really feel like who's running the show right now is former Obama staff, Anthony Blinken, Victoria Mm -hmm. Newland. You have some warmongers. Mm Military industrial complex. Um, you have some of the people on the boards of Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and the like. They're running the country, actually, right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you wouldn't be able to vote from from Moscow.
2: Um, actually, I can vote absentee if I have a U.S. address. Um, you know, it's mm. possible. See, <laughs> or I could what? maybe write in, write in Vladimir Putin as a joke, like for them in America. <laughs>
3: what what do you see happening
1: sorry what do you Um, see happening in the upcoming election it's a very strange setup at the moment
2: well you know they've put a gag order on donald trump right so he's still ahead like five miles like 50 points i believe the latest poll showed um (laughs) without having to say a word even though he's because he's under this gag order i think um (laughs) there is that that he could win um in my opinion, you know, I, you know, I've only tiered for the RFK memorial and I met RFK and some of the family. Um, I did that in, the, in June of 1993. And um, I, you know, appreciate um, RFK's position on COVID and his being, you know, pushing back on the proxy war in Ukraine. Um, however, I just think he's an illusion of choice because he is very pro-Israel. He is very pro like hawk, in the sense, and his daughter-in-law, who was with the CIA for 10 years, just took over his campaign. So he's still, they're trying to run him as like anti-establishment, but to me, he's still very establishment. You have a VEC who I think is trying to vie for vice president to Donald Trump. I think if Donald Trump picked um, a strong VP candidate, he has a very good chance. Otherwise, no one else, you know, Cornell West is running with now a party. He's not Green Party anymore. And it's really hard to get on the ballot. So people aren't going to know to, to vote for him. So it's, it's, you know, we'll see what happens. The Democrats are digging their heels in about Biden. They're running him. Um, like Weekend at Bernie's, you know, that movie, Holding Up the Corpse. Mm. So I guess, <laughs> I don't know, they're running him. And he's lost so much uh, voter Base like for instance um, the youth vote he seventy percent of youth are against him, particularly with his latest support of this um, you know basically a genocide against um, the Palestinian population and that we're funding and um, now they the figure came out from UN um, you know that it's seven thousand one hundred and two children plus a thousand under the rubble all children you know that have been killed and. It's just horrific. And so the younger generation is like, no more endless wars. No more killing civilians using our taxpayer. They want infrastructure. Mm. They want education and healthcare, They want their student loans forgiven. And so I think you're going to see a a powerful youth movement. Now we'll have to see how it plays out. Will they turn towards Trump? I don't know.
1: Mm. Tara Reid, I'll be back with you in a moment. Uh, My name is Jerm. This is TNT Radio.
4: For Voye Morich on TNT Radio. Shipping group, AP Moeller Meyers, reported a steep drop in third quarter profit and revenue this past weekend and said it would cut at least 10,000 jobs in the face of overcapacity, rising costs, and weaker prices, sending its shares tumbling. So that's shipping. Uh, And and they control one-sixth of global container trade, transporting goods for a host of major retailers and consumer goods companies, including... Walmart and Nike that can't be good meanwhile over in trucking trucking employment is contracting the fastest on record this century hmm so shipping massively cutting jobs trucking fastest contraction on record this country what is going on Paul Krugman says everything's fine don't worry everything's fine remember that name uh, Leslie Nielsen I think his naked gun everything's fine meanwhile in the background everything is blowing up and burning
0: Hervoye Morich on today's News Talk Radio TNT.
3: I'm CAL FIRE Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez, and normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood, as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks it can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov.
4: want to say this and i'm going to
0: say it just once this is today's
1: news talk radio tnt Uh, tara i am an onlooker when it comes to american elections and so i don't i don't have a dog in the fight um obviously do prefer certain candidates over the years i for example i liked obama when he came in and i very quickly learned not to like him um i didn't like george bush um Uh, junior at all um it's clinton now it's going back a little bit for me to remember um donald trump is interesting because i did like him for a while and i'm trying to figure out what is it about american elections or american politics that it almost seems glamorous it doesn't seem like it's about reality anymore or, or am i misreading it
2: no, I mean it's it's the, what you're saying. It seems like political theater. Like a lot of it is just theater. And so, for instance, you see right now, Mike Johnson is the new Speaker of the House in the Congress, who's a Republican, who is going to go after Biden, right? Well, will he, or is this theater? So again, it's a question. We'll see if there's an impeachment and actually, and they actually reveal the corruption and crimes that the Biden family, you know, took bribes about Ukraine, from China and from other foreign nations. But what you're saying is is really kind of accurate. Donald Trump was a flash, you know, kind of a charismatic, um, he had a re- reality show and, um, you know, Americans knew his name. So when you work in politics or in campaigns, which I did when I, you know, before I worked for Biden, um, it was all about name recognition, right? So this is um, the quick way to get name recognition, um, was, you know, like Donald Trump had a lot of that. Um, his appeal is because he's been talking to the people that feel dis- disenfranchised. He's also been saying he doesn't want war. So I think that's what appeals to people. The rest of it, you know, I don't know. But but like, for instance, he, he wants to hold, he wants to have more economic tension rather than military tension. So unfortunately, the Democrats have become the warmonger party they're all because they're mostly bought and sold by you know defense contractors and weapons manufacturers those politicians are Mm -hmm. pretty much owned by the pocket those that money and they they have the the media as their fifth estate controlled to to give a certain message from the military industrial complex and when you deviate from that message then that's when you go down so Donald Trump had enough money and enough power Enough of just enough of an insider to be able to challenge the message um, as much as he could. But as you can see, many of his lawyers went mm-hmm. to prison. And many of the supporters are in prison. There's some January 6th people that are just for showing up are in solitary confinement for months. I, I mean, it's been remarkable. And the um, vitriol and the aggression is coming from the Ob- former Obama staff, and the Clinton um, power, you know, uh, kind of come all, if you will.
1: Yeah, I, I think what I, was, what I was trying to get at is that, yes, the political theater, but also the vectors seem to be the same. It doesn't matter, unless I'm getting it wrong, it doesn't matter who the president is, the general direction of, let's say, foreign policy is the same.
2: That's been true um, through, you're absolutely right, through Bush, Obama, whatever. Obama was like known as the droning president, right? Because Julian Assange exposed how he drones civilians. And um, he also exposed the Medan coup, which happened 10 years ago. Victoria Newland with her cookies, passing them out in Kiev. Um, so and Julian Assange has paid a, a very high price. He's in Belmarsh prison and might be extradited to the U.S., even though he's an Australian citizen. Um, so yes, you have like this, uh, you know, this basic kind of overtake by intelligence services and military intelligence. Um, and so some people call it a unit party, the Republicans and Democrats, they actually call it like a unit party. You're not going to get anything different because who's running the show is behind the scenes. You don't see them yeah. out front. Right. They're the bureaucrats.
1: Mm. Um, now, I'm in South Africa and you're in Russia, so we are both mm-hmm. sitting in BRICS, in BRICS countries. And how do you see the relationship between the U.S. and BRICS in the coming years?
2: Well, I think the U.S. has better, you know, wake up and smell the coffee because they've been trying to basically desperately hold on to Western hegemony. Part of this, um, the, what's going on with the funding of Israel um, regarding Palestinian land, the Gaza Strip, right, is because there's gas reserves worth almost a trillion dollars right off the coast of Gaza. And there's also oil reserves inland. So right now, what you're seeing is a huge grappling internationally for that, for those control over those economic power grabs, right, of the, of the, of the energy. And you also at the same time have the silk road which is coming through which will come which which come through right there to those reserves so the us and nato countries want to stop russia and china and their progression um and the eastern progression if you will which south africa is part of and i think south africa is very smart because they know that the future is actually to the east not to the west i mean the saudi countries and now even more so are going to be dumping the dollar um A lot of the oil and gas reserves are gonna end up um, to the East more than to the West. And yeah, so I think that if, you know, the West has just been trying to use force, military force and coercion to get their way. And I think what's gonna have to happen after depleting all the resources in the West is they're gonna have to uh, be diplomatic and, and participate. Otherwise, I believe that the US in particular and UK will be left behind.
1: I mean, I don't dislike the US, uh, but let's be honest, right? On the African continent, if we're going to choose between a country that threatens us with drone strikes and bombing, you know, so that we can be free, or mm-hmm. uh, let's say China, who says, "Well, okay, we'll build high-speed trains and you know, uh, te- technological infrastructure." It's a no-brainer. Obviously, we're not going to go with bombs and drones.
2: Exactly right. I mean, imagine if the hundred billion dollars that the US spent giving it to Ukraine for military, which has ended up just in a money laundering scheme for these few individuals. Imagine if they had used that an in investment in infrastructure. Or, or if they were really had interest in Africa, instead of, you know, basically raping the land, like and rape, you know, taking away the resources and reaping them, the profits investing and actually letting people have their sovereign nations. Um so Russia is kind of of that um mindset where they're more diplomatic, they want they want innovation, they want to move towards the future. Um and so and China has shown that too. And China showed, you mm-hmm. know, gave a big step when they went to San Francisco to try to meet. And you notice who they met with by the way, Gavin Newsom. Yeah. And um, Biden made that slip that Gavin might be taking his job, like they've been grooming Gavin Newsom to, I don't know how it'll work with Kamala Harris there, but it seems like he's in line for something, um, maybe to take Biden's place. But same, same people, same mindset, so nothing would change with foreign policy, unfortunately. Um, so, to answer your question, yeah, like the, the, you're talking about the difference of building and innovation instead of yeah. destroying and killing.
1: Well, I mean, that's what's going on now. As you as you heard in my previous show with with Russell Bentley, what uh, you know, the absolute disaster that is Ukraine and now the absolute disaster that is Gaza. I mean, yeah. It's bizarre to me that that the US seems to side with the wrong with the wrong part of history.
2: I, that's very well put. The US is on the wrong side of history. The US, UK, and Israel are on the wrong side of history. And so is, well, you can't really call it. It's the Kiev regime, right? They're a puppet of the U.S. And unfortunately, Australia has been a vassal of the U.S. So it will be interesting to see is if Australia can pull away because of, you know, the threats they've been making to China about Taiwan. If Australia says, wait a second, stop it. You know, like we're down here. We don't want to be like, you know, in the middle of this, Um, you know, because there's there's nuclear... um, warheads they're, they're they're throwing it around like they can have a limited nuclear war and that's insane but but that's what happens when you allow military hawks to run um, a country rather than actual people with interests in economic growth and prosperity
1: mm. Torah, do you think that israel is a vassal state of the u.s or is the u.s a vassal state of israel
2: well, right now it's kind of like who's wagging the dog or is the dog wagging the tail. It's like that, you know, that, that you, because it's, it's a good question you have originally it was, um, you know, uh, America supporting Israel becoming what it is today. And then, you know, you had the involvement from 1948 on, the Zionists that kind of changed that vision, um, to what it is with, with Bibi now. And, um, a pretty extreme vision for a lot of people in the world, including many Jewish people that are very upset about what's happening right now in the Gaza Strip to the Palestinians. And um, I think that there was an announcement made. In fact, there's always a tweet, right? There was an announcement made by the Israel um, <laughs> a minister who said flatly that they had been working for years to infiltrate the US and, and, um, and basically change legislation to their favor and that they were successful. And they put it out in a public statement. They weren't ashamed of it at all. They weren't trying to hide it. Um, you also, there's a fact, Jeremy, that 35% of the population of Israel hold American passports. So you have a lot of economic entwinement um, and you know entwinement with other countries like Russia and like European countries. So you'll notice a collective silence as 12,000 people have been slaughtered. of the population now, the 2.1 million that were there, are displaced. And that was the plan. And that goes back to what I said earlier. They want access to those oil and gas reserves. Now, there's not that many oil reserves, but there's a ton of gas reserves worth billions, almost a trillion dollars. That's what this is about. It's not about religion, not even about land. But
1: Torah. We we both know that if you criticize uh, the Israeli government, you you hate the Jews,
2: right? You're accused of anti-Semitism, and you know what what I what I've been noticing is a movement from the Jewish people and some um, uh, children of uh, concentration camp survivors and whatnot and World War II survivors that are saying no, this this we we didn't want the Zionist vision. We didn't we never wanted this. We don't want people killed. We don't want to, as an oppressed, you know, have previously oppressed people to then go oppress others and kill children. I mean, 70 percent of the people killed since October 7 are children and women. Seventy percent, mostly under 12 years old, these children. It's it's a staggering amount and it's 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 brutal. And I think it's didn't South Africa, I think today expel um, the Israeli ambassador, I believe. Is that true? Yeah.
1: I don't know. <laughs> you you might yeah, you might be ahead of that. me.
2: <laughs> and I think Israel actually, because there's such tension right now with South Africa, they're actually pulling their their diplomats out of South Africa. Yeah, because they're like, no, we're not gonna, because they because South Africa experienced the apartheid state, right?
1: Mm. I'll so ask Alex what? just to have a look while while you're chatting. Um, Alex, if you don't mind, just see if you can uh, see if the Israeli ambassador was expelled from South Africa. Sorry, go on, Tara.
2: Yeah, you know, I was going to say that, you know, um, I'm sure there's a lot of sympathy and empathy from South African citizens be, um, because of dealing with apartheid. And, and you know, they're watching, you know, in the Gaza Strip, they're watching 2.1 million one pe- people that were basically kept in a concentration camp. They were basically deprived of um, freedom and, and kept in offenses and not allowed to travel or marry as they wished, um, you know, n- no access to food and education and medicine. Mm-hmm. This so whereas like Israelis were allowed three passports right they could have Israeli American, some other European so I mean yeah it's the disparity is, is, is has not been lost um
1: the collateral talking is, point
2: hmm?
1: sorry go on Torah.
2: no I said but the irony is that Republicans support like they just give yes. 14 to, to Israel so that's the irony so again the war party
1: Now, I was going to say, a collateral uh, talking point for me, which has been unbelievably bewildering, is, uh, you know, I thought that the COVID era would have have brought some sense of, I don't know, reason, all right, to the minds of millions of people when they realized that there was so much propaganda and control and junk going on. Then this thing happened on, on 7th of October. I've never seen so much hatred and so much open calling for mass killing as I have. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, you've seen people like Ben Shapiro and even Alex Jones just saying, yeah, we must just just wipe out the whole area, you know, just wipe it out.
2: Well, I think that speaks to systemic racism, right? Like with Ukraine, the people were white. What a difference. And now, you know, you're dealing with, in the middle east and i think it's just with the us in particular i can't speak to nato countries because i didn't live there but in the U.S., there's a lot of systemic racism and a lot of um unfortunately they they don't care about the palestinians dying it doesn't mean anything to them their numbers but it you know to to those of us that have a sense of humanity this is horrific mm. today you know earlier today another journalist was killed um and two, I think total in the last day and a half, I think over the time it's been 37, but they weren't just killed, right? Like in sort of a war zone, they were targeted and their houses were bombed and their families were killed. Gee. And this is happening Palestinian journalists. 36 of them have been killed. There was only 51 to start off with. They're literally getting rid of all the journalists by simply killing them. They don't want their narrative messed with. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely shocking. And you're right. I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. It's heartbreaking to see those. Um, they were talking about the false story of the 40 beheaded babies that didn't exist. Yeah. And ben they Shapiro. And killed premature babies. Like, they literally killed them. There was days and ways they could have saved them um, that Israel could have allowed the Palestinians to save those, those babies, so the incubators, and they're all dead. In fact, everyone in intensive care was killed.
1: Well, no, uh, there is there is also um, a, a story that a lot of that was propaganda.
2: No, actually, the the premature baby, the Palestinian premature babies is Israel. The UN acknowledged it and Israel acknowledged it. And then they tried to put it off on Palestine. But But unfortunately, because they bombed the hospital and wouldn't allow oh, a right. safe route. Yeah, they weren't allowed. They couldn't get the premature babies out the the beheaded right. baby the israel babies that was a false story that was a false story
1: okay right yes 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 okay i've i've got you and also the one with the oven
2: yes and that was a recycled right false story that was recycled from syria mm.
1: yeah Not i true. mean it's it's so stupid that that people believe this. Uh, this this type of propaganda has been around for a very very long time if you just do a little bit of little bit of historical research
2: absolutely Absolutely. I I don't know why um, I know social media is can be confusing, but you have people that are paid to be the puppets of certain governments. And then that was, you know, that's what happens. That's why we need independent journalists like in like TNT is independent. That's why we need independent Mm. voices like INN, like um, my show, Um, because if someone's being paid, they're going to just do their talking points and stay within that purview. Like mm. Ben Shapiro, who's working basically uh, for the military.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's so disappointing. Hey, it's just so disappointing. But just quickly before I go to a break, um, Alex says yeah, that the, uh, the South African, it's not it's not South Africa. It seems to be uh, Ireland, um, the Irish Parliament.
2: Well, as well. Yeah. 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 There was something about South Africa. I'll try to bring it up. But but um, I think mm. that South Africa as well. But several countries actually um, are mm. getting rid of the. Israeli ambassadors. Um, yeah, Tore I already did a few
1: days. I'll be back with you momentarily. My name is Jim. This is
0: TNT Radio. De weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Once again, I'm going to quote from my buddy Mark Marano's Climate Depot. This is just unbelievable what I see going on at this summit between Biden and the Chinese government. As a matter of fact, the most alarming thing is that John Kerry was anywhere around that place. These two guys and their administrations have been bullying the United States of America over a problem that even if it existed, we have very little to do with it. Australia, UK, you have nothing to do with it. Canada, you have nothing to do with it. Seriously, if you look at the amount of CO2 you put in the air compared to total CO2, it truncates to zero. Now, who is the biggest polluter if you want to call CO2 pollution? It's China. So expert raise alarm after Biden strikes climate agreement with China to shut down fossil fuels. What, What kind of insanity is this? China thumbs their nose and laughs at the rest of the world. And guess what? It's our fault they do it. You know why? They know darn well that this is not a big disaster. They know darn well they have to push forward their population. I mean, I realize China's in bad shape as far as freedoms go but they are trying to work in their own whatever manner to try to create more freedoms and more prosperity for China. So of course they're going to sit there and try to stop the United States. And these guys just walk right into it. It's disgusting. Americans are letting a guy and his buddy John Kerry bully them over a situation they have precious little to do with. Let me read you the facts. CO2 is 0.042% of the atmosphere. Man is responsible for 3 to 5% of that. The United States is responsible for 10% of that total. Australia, Canada, the UK, about 1%. Essentially, it's nothing. Much ado about nothing. They weaponized weather in a phony climate war. It's unbelievable. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. I need to go get my rabies shots. The next time you think you can illegally handle your mobile phone while driving, and get away with it, think again. Phone detection cameras are in operation on New South Wales roads, Hello. so if you're driving and illegally handle your mobile phone, you can stop it or cop it. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio TNT.
1: All right Tara, just before the break we were talking about South Africa. K, okay, you had a look during the break, what have you found?
2: Well, it looks like on the AP wire, um, they announced that South Africa is about to hold a parliamentary vote to close down the Israeli embassy. Thus, the Israeli uh, government is trying to pull out their diplomats uh, prior to that because of all the demonstrations. So it looks like, you know, South Africa has had enough and they're just going to, they're going to do more than expel. They're going to close down the whole embassy, the Israeli embassy. That's really something.
1: But is that a good thing or is that a bad thing?
2: Well, I think in face, you know, the reason why is because um, I think uh, many countries are frustrated with the fact that Israel won't discuss a ceasefire. They won't stop killing civilians. So people are taking to this route um, since they're not responsive to any kind of diplomatic outreach.
1: What do you think is Russia's position on what's happening there?
2: it's complicated right you have a large jewish population but you also have a very large muslim population and they live here very peacefully in russia you have at least 200 million um muslims all over the russian federation territory particularly towards the east and you have um and and you know the russian federation has internally is very peaceful with the different religions. There's not outbursts of violence. And historically, it's been very peaceful for a long, long time. So um, I think it's it's one of those positions where they're trying, what they're basically standing in against is atrocities against civilians. Like it's understood that there shouldn't be um, terrorists, but then that begs the question, right? Are Hamas terrorists or are they resistance fighters? And if you look into the history <laughs> of Hamas, yes. Um, It's more of resistance. And now I come from Irish background, you know, people call the IRA terrorists, were they terrorists, or were they a resistance from the British colonial, you know, coming in and taking over and trying to wipe out the Irish people's language and and population and culture. Um, So that's why you see Ireland standing so firmly with the Palestinians. Um, and and the, um, and the Sinn Fein because they are um, have that same thing so that their resistance fighters were labeled terrorists and that's what um, America loves to do America and NATO nations love to call any kind of resistance fighters from colonial or impure you know Imperial powers call them terrorists instead of you know what they're trying to do is protect their people and protect their land and you know, And then the argument back from israel is always well we have a right to defend ourselves well actually they don't under the un charters and in fact a un representative made that very clear and announced and showed the different legal reasons why israel was not allowed because they're not defending themselves they're aggressing and they're the colonial power trying to um aggress in the gaza strip and take away the land of the palestinians
1: yeah it's like it's like you and i having an argument and then I start punching you in the face. And then I'm saying, I'm just defending myself.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, it, and it's horrific because now I think the goal all along was to eliminate the population from that strip for economic reasons. And I think they've achieved it almost. Ex- exactly. So now it's a matter of, of what is going to happen in the humanitarian realm. Like, are they going to stop? killing children they haven't stopped i mean there was discussion about ceasefire and then and nothing happened today yet so we'll see
1: what do you think let me rephrase that how do you think this is going to play out for israel
2: i think israel is eventually going to lose because they're 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 not really um they're not really being honest with the numbers of military that they've lost and that's kind of coming out as well They've lost a lot of credibility in the world's eye because of their false reporting, because their false stories. Um, now they're not being believed they've lost sympathy. Um, mm-hmm. And you have the Jewish populations, Jewish people for peace, so their own population really against Netanyahu, Bibi Netanyahu, and really condemning his actions. So he has his own, he has his own internal strife. And I think that's partially what triggered this as well he was, there was, if you remember those massive demonstrations just recently against Bibi and his judicial um, reform. And, um, he's very, very unpopular with the general population. So I think he's on his way out and you know what, with the U S they have two vassal puppets, right? They have, um, Zelinsky and they have Bibi and both of mm. them, I think are, are going to are heading for an ugly, um, end ending. And, um, Zelinsky was, uh, crying tears to Fox News that he's almost been assassinated five times by Vladimir Putin. Why would Russia try to assassinate Zelensky? He's he's such an idiot and he's doing so badly. They want him to keep going. You know, he's, he's actually better well, I mean, for Russia.
1: Like so it tired. makes sense, though. I mean, Russia also blew up its own pipelines.
2: <laughs> oh, right. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah I mean it's yeah and I mean completely ignoring Cy Hirsch's you know the Pulitzer Prize winner reporter about Norway and U.S being behind it and blowing up that pipeline yeah you'll but, notice I mean, like yeah go ahead
1: no sorry go on
2: no no you go ahead that's
1: fine um and I was gonna say that there seems to be a wider war though that's happening here uh, it's very easy to focus just on Gaza and and Israel. But I mean, if you look at, say, the Brookings Institution, they've got a document, which they published, I think, in 2009, which is, uh, is titled The Path to Persia. And it outlines how the U.S. eventually wants to create regime change in Iran. It just does not like the fact that Iran had the 79 revolution. Um, and, um, and it would appear to me that this could be one of those proxies that leads into, into Iran
2: very good Jeremy you know that's so interesting because i was just recently talking about that about a month ago i said when this all sparked i said this is because the us wants a wider region regional conflict with and they want a hot war with iran which is stupid because iran's not iraq right and and americans mm. being very bad at geography and everything else <laughs> just don't really get it that iran has a very sophisticated well-funded well-trained armed forces and also weaponry to take on iran is is really a fool's um errand by the us but yet i think you're absolutely right jeremy that is what they're trying to do they the rationale from the military hawks is that they want to weaken its relationship to russia and that's just silliness it's never going to happen and you're going to have the arab nations unite more and the result economically is the dumping of the dollar
1: I mean that's already happening
2: yeah and it's going to happen more so and and that's why you know you saw this movement towards like argentina the new president was kind of installed um who's who's like a Zelensky to me he's kind of crazy what do you make of him he's they said he's a libertarian he's he was a, a baby a product of the world economic forum and he's not an outsider like donald trump um the world economic forum is certainly not an outsider He's anti-BRICS, he's anti-Russia, anti-China, and he's pro-America. Yeah, they wanted someone down there because they have Venezuela um, that's that's not interested in in the US. You have a lot of other countries moving away from Western hegemony and getting independent economically and having other relationships. Um, So I I think Argentina is headed for a fall. They're going to have just what they had like 20 years ago. Remember when they they were having to literally just print um, argentine money because they they were out so i think they're heading for a very bad outcome
1: yeah i kind of get the impression he's a bit of a clown i mean yeah he's entertaining and he says some great things but i mean really i mean what is does what, what do putin and Xi Jinping actually think of this guy i mean if he gets if argentina's invaded i mean the country stands no chance
2: no no not at all i mean it'll be interesting to watch it all play out and how it'll play out with the neighboring countries. But I, I don't give him, I don't even give him a year. That's my prediction. We'll see.
1: Mm, mm. Well, we are coming into the, the last lap of our conversation, Tara. And um, I, I think no conversation like this is complete without without the big, the big elephant in the room, or shall I say the dragon in the room? I mentioned the path to Persia from the Brookings Institution, Iran. And we spoke earlier about how the U.S. doesn't like um, Russia. What about China? I mean, this seems like an absolute move, a chess move of insanity. If, if, I mean, as you hinted at earlier about Taiwan, if the U.S. wants to create a war with China, this just seems absurd.
2: It's simply not sustainable. There's too much. We, first of all, America owes China too much money. There's just the practical thing of that. The economic ties are just... You know, there's that. Second, um, the Chinese, like they ha- they're very restrained. They're very restrained in everything and very methodical. And they think, they think 25, 50, 100 years ahead, whereas America is like, I don't know, they're kind of like toddlers in the foreign relations world and they just get very impulsive. And, you know, you, you, you see people like Lindsey Graham, that senator who wants to bomb every country he talks about. And he wants war with china and you see some of the republicans frothing at the mouth about taiwan and wanting war. i don't think it's healthy i don't think it'll happen i think it would be absolutely to the peril of the united states to do something like that um economic tension perhaps um but i think who would suffer most is america because look at our mm-hmm. import exit. you know there's there's a lot there so I think uh, what was interesting was when she visited and how after they had what looked like successful talks, then Biden went out publicly and called him a dictator. And you saw Anthony Blinken like, you know, so I think that kind of tells you everything. There's old hawks that are wanting to poke that dragon. And then there are more rational minds that are like, no, let's not. And I think Donald Trump would not take the war route. I think he would take the economic competition
1: route. And I mean, China is historically all about economics. You know, this is this is their thing. They don't really they don't really care about, you know, uh, hot wars. Uh, I mean, just anecdotally speaking, right, in my home, most of the technology in my house is not American, it's Chinese. And yeah. that's not necessarily because I'm boycotting anything American. It's just the way it is.
2: Yeah, I mean, America used to be really innovative. And look what happened. We've had a brain drain. And um, and that's come from the military-industrial complex and the and the intelligence community. They've just putting everything into war and conflict. And so, you know, I think we could America could learn something, and so could Europe from China and, you know, move towards. Innovation, because you know Vladimir Putin said something very, very interesting. President Putin said, "Whoever controls AI technology will run the world," and really, yeah. that is the future. And China, China's ahead of the US right now in the race with AI. Mm.
1: That's just well, well, that's the segue into our final into our final lap here. Let me just quickly ask you now. Now that you mentioned AI, just very quickly before you tell me how I can follow you, what do you make of Elon?
2: I think Elon is like a lot of people who are very wealthy and he's an investor and he's interested in making wealth and, and he kind of goes where the wind blows in that sense. He has, you know, economic ties. Like for instance, he did like the satellites in Ukraine, right. And had military contracts. He has, he's interested in um, aeronautical contracts. So I think that he'll, do I think he's a free speech, bastion of free speech? Mm, he wasn't so much about Israel. He's my account. My Twitter account is I'm suppressed and I'm deboosted because I sided with the Palestinian people. So that's not free speech, is it? I don't know. Mm. So I don't know what to make of him. I'm watching.
1: No, but he, yeah, he also, he also, uh, um, he's, no, he hasn't um, unsuspended a number of accounts. I think Kanye West, for example, he he quite literally suspended. So no, yeah. I don't, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's entirely all about free speech.
2: No, we'll have to wait and see. I think he has done some good things. Um, And, yeah. but, but again, it's, 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 um, you know it's one man and we can't pin all our hopes for saving free speech on one person no matter how good or bad or indifferent they are right we have to do this ourselves yeah. us. that's it
1: i uh i always i always ask questions about him because i've got this weird love hate relationship with him because he's from our side of the pond and we don't have that much to offer the <laughs> the world
3: <laughs> so, he, us, sorry. Um, he
2: is he's a genius in his way and he is good at what he does um, but is he is he the answer? I don't know. He it, or no. is he just another question?
1: So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you don't you don't get to that level of power uh, by by just being a good businessman.
2: Right. Exactly. Okay,
1: quickly, how can I follow you, Tara?
2: I am on Twitter still <laughs> at Reed Alexandra, and then you can follow me at Tara Read R E A D E podcast.com. So tarareadpodcast.com, and you can see all my links.
1: Oh, that's nice and quick and simple and easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I and have thoroughly to... enjoyed chat. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, go on.
2: Yeah, links to my book, Left Out When the Truth Doesn't Fit In. So I'm writing the epilogue right now. It'll be out in the winter um, to add to the book. So, yeah, get the paperback, get my book. It'll be fun.
1: Reed, thank you so much for joining me in the trenches. Thank you. I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you. I think I'm going to have to invite you back.
2: <laughs> oh, I would love to be back.
1: Well, we, yes, and particularly because you're in Moscow. So you are my, you're yet another eye on that side of the world. But thank you. Yes. And um, thank you, Alex. Uh, it's just nice to uh, to have Alex around again. I just want to remind uh, listeners, I um, my show is, is, uh, is in a different time slot. Uh, so you'll catch me. An hour earlier today, I just happen to have had a, an extra slot. We're we'll busy doing video upgrades and all sorts of things, so there's a little bit of of uh, uh, technical things happening. Nevertheless, send me an email: germwarfare at tntradio.live, live. Germwarfare with a J. Uh, send. Uh, let me know where in the world you are. And also, give me feedback, questions, um, ideas for guests. Tell me what you thought of this particular show. Um, I don't mind what you what you mail me. Um, I might not reply to everything, but I will try, I promise. I'll catch you next time. My name is Jim, this is Jim Warfare the Battle of Ideas.